Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Faye and Martin Meledet. I hope I got that right. The creators behind... Did I? No? Yes? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh, it's fine. All right. That means no. The creators behind the recently released title known as Shindig. Thanks for joining, you two. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you could make it because this looks like a... Man, it's a wholesome game uh, and it looks very cute. There's uh, lots of singing, lots of animals, like there's lots of love in this game. Yes. Um, and and another part is like you both have pretty interesting backgrounds that I want to dive into just because um, there's there's a wealth of knowledge from the two of you. Uh, before we get into the game, I always like to talk about the people and their previous work and kind of how uh, you got started. So let's start with uh, let's start with Faye. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about how you got into the games industry in the first place. Okie dokie. Um, I think it's probably best if I give a bit of context that Martin sure. and I have been together for absolutely forever, basically. Um, so You're old. We, yes, we're old. I'm going to be 40 in a few weeks. My God. Oh my goodness. Uh, I didn't ask you to, to drop that oh, information. Oh, I'm so but... <laughs> sorry. Um, but um, we've been high school sweethearts, you know, um, and together forever. So when Very Martin cute. had his first kind of uh, positions in the games industry that's something that I was doing teaching and stuff like that at the time I, I trained to be a teacher but I eventually mm -hmm. ended up kind of moving towards games basically yeah those two paths kind of uh converged yeah <laughs> absolutely okay. gravitated towards games and us both working in games because we both love games so much basically um gotcha yeah, so I my very first sort of games industry position was a QA position at Codemasters. And um, I got to work on a really cool game called Overlord and uh, mm. The Rings Online and stuff like that. And did a bit of voice acting there. Um, Ooh, very exciting. I, I was very, very excited to work with um, a wonderful lady called Rihanna Pratchett, very briefly, um, <laughs> to do that voice acting. So that was super cool, basically. Um, and then sort of from there, I ended up moving into, we moved to Germany and um, I worked at Nintendo. So I took my sort of QA experience and then transferred that to technical testing, basically. Mm. Yeah. So working in lock check and doing the really technical side of things and then got the foot in the door for um, some writing editorial work and um Wow, you're all over the place, huh? Yeah, afraid so, kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. What is it? Well, I don't know about afraid so, but I mean, I think that that helps a lot <laughs> if you're going to then say like, oh, let's make a game by ourselves. <laughs> it helps that I've worn a lot of hats, that's for sure. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. So um, basically started as a junior in the editorial team and then worked up to be the head of the team, um, which was really cool and um, got to work on lots of really cool stuff, like writing the websites and working on Nintendo Directs and things like that. Um, wow, and writing the website Pages about all these cool little games. It just really keeps you passionate about the, the breadth of the stuff that's out there, you know? Right, so, right. Wow, very exciting. A, a <laughs> lot of a lot of useful information that I'm sure uh, went into this game. Martin, why don't you tell me a little bit of your background? So as Faye just mentioned, um, so we worked together at Codemasters. Well, not together, okay. but in, in the same building. Um, <laughs> Is that before... how you two met? No, no, we, we met a long time before oh, that. You, she said high school sweethearts. I'm, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm right. not listening. No, no, no. <laughs> Excuse me. No, sorry. No problem at all. But um, so out of university, um, I managed to luck into a job at Sony's London studio. Um, wow. It was a time when uh, being able to talk articulately about video games was super in demand. Uh, I just finished an <laughs> English literature degree. Um, so I sort of walked in among all these other people who um, were product designers or um, coders and things like that um, with just 
uh, my love for games and the ability to talk about them for hours. Um, so I worked on um, a bunch of games with London Studio, um, most notably probably the iToy games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from Sony, um, where I was a designer, I was also a designer at Codemasters. I worked on uh, Race Driver Grid and Operation Flashpoint 2, just little bits, but also on some council projects. Um, oh. And then that took both of us to um, to Germany and Nintendo. Um, wow. At Nintendo, I did um, a sort of weird hybrid role, which um, I was a product strategist, which was partly um, kind of a game design consultant for Nintendo's teams, but also Nintendo's partners. Um, hmm. But it was also a kind of more long-term planning um, and business strategy side. I did that for a long while, and then I moved into the publishing part of Nintendo, um, looking for um, cool games to bring to Switch and trying to start up projects and things like that. Talking to people like us, basically. Yeah, Yeah. that's (laughs) every single one of these is you just working up all of the experience to then come into working on this game. Now, the the first question that I have, which I have a perfect segue on this, but I really just want to ask this. Don't you guys ever get tired of each other? <laughs> no, I I really like him. Um, yeah, I don't what know. A, what I, a useful trajectory of like having, you know, meeting in high school, working both at Codemasters, being able to both work at Nintendo. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. So a little bit of luck, but I'm sure both of you are highly skilled and were able to find a path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with there's been a certain inevitability, I guess, to us getting here. Yeah. I mean, we. I remember us playing um, Legend of Zelda together when we first met. Yeah. Um, we had Zelda music at our wedding, and then wow. we ended up working for Nintendo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the path that we've taken um, through the games industry and through life. Um, there's not much of a dividing line between those two things really um has sort of led us to here yeah yeah so let's let's talk about how that occurred right you know you're you're both doing pretty successful um work in many uh well-known companies right what pushed you to say you know what this is great but why don't we do this by ourselves why don't we create this company known as imaginary friends games and actually start building our own game. Okay, I'm going to preface this one with, um, this is a bit of a downer, but run with me, it Mm. gets better. Um, So my dad died um, very, very suddenly uh, about six years ago. And um, as happens when these kind of terrible life events occur, you find yourself, um, you know, you're grieving, obviously. um, Right. But you are also sort of having that existential crisis of your own as well. Sort of like, you know, I had to write my dad's eulogy and trying to um, figure out what to say about him. And you kind of go, well, what am what am I giving back to the world? What am I doing? Um, is there more good that I could be doing here? Um, and, you know, how do I want to be remembered, basically? So we had right. this whole like mega existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, which was a sort of a very serious reassessment of like, okay, where we are is is really amazing. And I'm fully aware of, of the privilege that I have to be able to walk away from a job like that. Um, right, of course. Um, but I'm, you know, I need to be making something of my own. I need to be not making someone else's art. I think we need to do it ourselves because we worked for so long uh helping other people sell their games and making their games better and in all these various different roles and you kind of get to a point where you're like you know what I think we should stop being so afraid to take that step I think we have to um so a bit of a sad sort of start there but it was the kind of initial thing that that makes you reassess and makes you go, I need to take a step because I could coast along in this, this crazy world of the games industry forever doing all these different things. But what do I really want to do and how can I make a difference? Right. Over time, I mean, I spent a lot of the last few years of, of that 
period, like jetting around Europe, meeting game developers, um, big companies, small companies. And um, you meet all of these cool people doing cool things and, and they say, oh, wow, it must be amazing to be that guy from Nintendo. And uh-huh. over, over that time period, I just started building up this yearning to, to say, no, man, I want to be you. I want to be on the other side of this desk <laughs> with a, a cool game that I'm telling someone about. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, grass is always greener on the other side in some cases yeah um yeah. but you know i of course i i'm truly sorry for for the loss but i'm glad that there was some good that came out of it it's it's a lot different i think to be able to say you created a game and mm-hmm. know that you were one of you know the small few that directly impacted what that is you know whether it's whether it's this immaculate amazing game or whether it's something that that maybe hits for only a smaller audience it's something that you can take away and say like this is yours right in a lot of places or a lot of pieces when you're just working as this one faceted you know cog in the wheel of what Uh is nintendo it's hard to attribute yourself to say like yeah it's because of me that this game got created and it's like well yeah it is but it's also like thousands and thousands of other people so it's harder to Mm -hmm. attribute it to you right absolutely absolutely (laughs) so a big part of what we've been doing with shindig is this idea of um developing up more of a human scale Mm. because we've worked at a global scale and we've worked at a sort of continental scale um Mm -hmm. and like you say there's a real difference between being a cog in the machine or saying i contributed something to that Mm. than to say that we did it all yeah so yeah we we had this idea of what let's see what we can do just the two of us Mm. uh we do it all um no publisher um what can we make on a shoestring budget? Yeah, no budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how how long how long were you working on this, by the way? So well, um, the thing that we did was we saved for absolutely years before we actually um, made the jump to to kind of go indie. Um, mm-hmm. So so we saved up um, for about four years, and then we've been working on it and for about the past two years, basically. So, okay. It's been one of those things where it's taken us, um, it sounds like a long time, but it kind of isn't when there's just the two of you um, <laughs> making like all the different parts of it. Um, right, and, right. and, you know, we, we started off because it sounds very impressive, the, the experience that we'd got from our previous positions, but there's also the, these huge kind of holes in our experience. <laughs> like, right. Who's going to draw it? who's gonna, <laughs> like, who's going to code it like games are made of all these parts and we'd never made any of the the like the really hands-on nitty-gritty parts of a game right. before so while we knew how to design a game and, and write a game and and even QA a game we had absolutely no clue how to like actually get pictures on a screen <laughs> right of course well, what was that that process like i'm thinking from like a mental state right was this mm-hmm. something where because i can imagine uh well i can't imagine because i i wouldn't want to do this but i can imagine if i did do this right there would be that initial phase of of excitement and that mm-hmm. thrill of being like we're gonna finally do this we're gonna we're we're going for it and then mm-hmm. realizing like whoo <sighs> I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, like what, take me through that process of, of how did you really get past that step to actually create your own game? Mm. Okay. So when we, when we started, so yeah, we had this, uh, this basis that we can design the game. Um, we have, we have these characters that we, Mm -hmm. we wanted to put into a game and that we've been sort of writing and, um, bringing to life for years and years and years so yeah because we we basically um i think our love language is just like voicing everything like we can't we right. can't walk past a dog on the street without like voicing what the dog might be thinking or saying <laughs> you mean without the dog saying hello i mean yeah sorry <laughs> but um but you know so we're, we're just like constantly making up characters and we've been together forever so we have a lot of characters that we've made ah. up yeah, yeah, so a yeah. lot of the characters that appear in Shindig are either there's there's a sort of Christopher Robin thing going on. Like some of them are stuffed toys, 
Um, some of them are characters that were made up for Shindig. Some of them are just based on jokes or voices that we've had for a long time. Um, oh, some cute. of them are our actual cats. Yeah, the two of them are our actual cats. But <laughs> with that kind of basis of, okay, so we can write and we've got characters, we kind of identified where the holes were that mm. we had to mm-hmm. fill in. Um, and we kind of went, okay, so we can't make it from scratch. We're not going to write an engine. That's that's crazy talk, basically. Right. Um, so we did a bit of research, essentially, as to what tools were available to us to try and, first of all, figure out what kind of game we should make for our first game. Um, mm. Because... You know, we both love point and click games. I think I'm more of a, a, a point and click person than you are. Um, and you, you know, you have my history with point and click games is that I, I enjoyed them very much, but I would always um, reach a point where, prior to knowing you, I didn't have anyone that I could say, I, "What am I supposed to do?" <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Oh, okay. That was cool. one of my things that I wanted to ask about this okay. game. Okay, so I'm glad cool. you brought that up. Cool. Um, um, so we we hit upon using Unity, um, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's really wonderful at this point where the games industry is in terms of accessible tools, mm. and mm. so the game's built with Unity, but it's also built with a um, an add-on for Unity called Adventure Creator, um, okay. which is a tool set for making point-and-click adventures. Um, which so, is a, a sort of a, you purchase it, and I think it's like. I don't know, 50 or 60 quid or something yeah. like that at the moment. Um, so we decided that basically we would figure out what our steps for learning to make a game would be with the framework and the structure of those things, basically. Not right. only do we love those kinds of games and we have the kind of, you know, the writerly talents to to try and make a script and write those characters and kind of thing, but that would also be a really good um process for us to learn okay now we need some art now we need some animation where do we get those from and how do we plug that in and put it all together um right because you know you can you can kind of flounder forever going well i'd really like to make a platform game and i'd really like to make a visual novel and i want you have all these dreams but you've got to choose the the one you're going to make first (laughs) yeah yeah no that's true i i think that's that's probably a big reason behind why a lot of people will give up on on these things is it's it's almost the possibilities are endless especially when you're talking about something like game creation like game creation is is in a form of itself and i think programming in a lot of ways is is magic (laughs) to a lot of people and and even the people that know it is still sometimes magic but like Mm -hmm. that openness and availability of being able to create whatever you imagine is almost in its way limiting because you can just be so just beaten down spoilt for choice basically as well because where do you start like what you might think oh yeah i could definitely make an amazing action game but if you don't actually know how to make someone run and jump and move around your action game is going to take a very long time to become amazing so it's really <laughs> a good idea to use the kind of frameworks that you can because there's the sort of indie cliche of like you start a project and and then yeah, yeah I'm not into that anymore and I'll you know, I'm going to make this one instead and yeah, no, yeah I'm not into that anymore I'm going to make this instead. So just- I mean I I found every single game I've ever worked on in regardless of the size of team and the place you you spawn like four or five additional game ideas mm-hmm. um, during mm-hmm. the during the development. So yeah, we wanted something that would give us a real sort of um, strong framework mm. that, right, right. to keep us on target and to also um, make use of our our skills and help us learn the things that we didn't know yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. The method for doing that is just a lot of research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I've I've had a lot of people who who have come onto this podcast, and one of the big things that many of them say there's there's others who are more like ah just just do something right, but <laughs> a lot of people will also argue that there's a little bit of that where you know just doing something can get you past that hump of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, being anxious to really start or or dive into it and get excited about something but like at the same time you have to take your foot off the gas in a mm-hmm. little bit because constantly building will just make it that you have a wobbly tower as opposed to having something that has good foundation yeah um, absolutely now 
I just wanted to, to, you know, we've been talking for, for a good amount now. And I <laughs> wanted to, to rein us back a little bit because we've kind of hinted at what this game is, talked a little bit about mm -hmm. the game. But for those who don't know anything, uh, let's just uh, go through a, I love just asking, what's your elevator pitch for when someone asks you, you know, what is this game all about? What is Shindig about? Okay, so we have a long pitch and we have a short pitch. <laughs> Faye, would you okay. like to deliver the longer pitch? Okay, so the slightly longer version of the elevator pitch is that um, Shindig is a short, fully voiced, um, point and click style narrative adventure where you um, you play as a low-key hero, basically going into a nice new neighborhood that's full of friendly folks who are having a bit of a hard time and that you're going to get all the stuff that's needed for a really brilliant party to just cheer them up, basically. The short pitch is... Um, what if Night in the Woods was set on Sesame Street? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I I like that. Uh, I, like I, like that a bit, I like that a little bit more um, <laughs> because it, it gives it a lot more mystery to it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I like but I, I think it's I think it's interesting because it's it's such a it's such a simple idea, right? When you not the Night in the Woods one. I mean, I guess it is a, a little bit, but like the the idea of like. You're just having a party, right? You're get, getting some stuff. You're talking to people. You're making some friends. You're just going to go out and, uh, you know, have a good time. So, like, obviously, this being your first game, I think you need to, uh, and we've already talked about this, of, of kind of giving yourself a framework and giving yourself a good structured, like, this is what we want to do. Let's not overcomplicate things, right? Mm -hmm. But what was it about this story or this experience that made you go, yeah, this is what we want to tell? So I think it has a certain synergy um Ooh, <laughs> yeah um with that idea we were saying about human scale game development mm -hmm. so shindig's made at a human scale but it's mm -hmm. also um the scale of it is is small we wanted to make something right. where you don't save the world yeah but <laughs> you just make people's day a little brighter yeah um which no that again helps with reining in the the scale creep. I say it helps. It didn't help that much, <laughs> to be honest. We, we started with the idea that Shindig would be about an hour long. And then we started saying, oh, it's more like two hours. And now it's more like three to four hours. Now it's out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we, we were walking in the woods one day and we were just like, let's just, for our first game, let's just make something that's just nice. Let's hmm. just... Let's, you know, there's lots of, of really sort of grim, dark stuff out there and it's super awesome, but that's not what I want to make for my first game. I want to make something that's just kind of cozy and just an evening sized kind of adventure where you, you go into a nice world and you help people out and you don't like, you know, save the galaxy or whatever, but that's, you know, not all heroes wear capes. Um, it's just like the idea that you can you can just make people's world a little bit brighter by being kind to them, basically. Because we also wanted to make something that um, didn't take an enormous amount of investment from players mm. because, you know, a lot of the time, if you look at some enormous JRPG, say, you think, <laughs> I'd like to play that, but do I have 120 hours? <laughs> yeah. You know, if I like it, I'm going to want to play it for that long. Yeah. Should I? Yeah. And yeah. we've, we've and had a lot of fun with these kind of evening sized games. And the thing is like a lot of our, you know, friends and relatives have kids and mm -hmm. they, they can't play like as, as many hours as they used to. Basically they can play right. a game when the kids have gone to bed or uh, when they get an hour or so on Saturday morning, when the kids are at class, you know, doing swimming or whatever. Um, and so you, you get this situation where, there are games that just don't really fit into your world anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So we wanted to make something short and just cozy that would would fit into people's worlds that they could pick up and play for a little bit and then kind of come back to just whenever it's convenient for them, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the idea as as a person who is uh, getting past that hump of like starting to... I'm in that weird 30s phase where I'm like, I'm not young anymore, but I'm not old either. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to get less and less free time so to speak yeah. where yeah. i have the amount so when i was younger i used to to think you know i i had the mentality of like oh longer game attributes to uh you know more value right mm. and that's that's definitely not the case now because i do enjoy a lot of the times 
more of these short experiences because it's just it's nice to have it packaged to be able to experience it and yeah. walk away thinking like oh that was a good time i had right yeah. as opposed to like you were saying those jrpgs where like i'm playing yakuza like a dragon uh right now <laughs> and i've been playing this for months because <laughs> yeah. it's just little bits where like every like it'll be a day where i'm like oh i have like 30 minutes and i'll just play and then i'll be like all right well maybe next week i'll play like another 30 minutes more mm-hmm. and so it's just it's so prolonged right mm. um so there is definitely this room for having these experiences which i yeah. do enjoy yeah i think that there's you know there's such a great amount of of variety in games at the moment and it's it's really awesome that you can kind of pick and choose the kind of experience you want and um you know a game being bigger or longer doesn't necessarily mean it's better um, right. A lot of these sort of compact experiences that are just like a full story from start to finish in a couple hours are just as beautiful as, you know, The Witcher or, or mm-hmm. any of these big sprawling adventures. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that sort of respecting our, our players' time um, is just one part of the, the sort of message of inclusivity we wanted to try and get mm. throughout mm-hmm. Shindig. Yeah. Um, for its design um, but also um, its world and its story yeah right I'm I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was one of my questions Um, when I was going through the game one of my favorite things about this and this is such a minor detail and honestly some people might see this and just either think think of it as annoying or not even look at it but like in this game you have closed captioning where it's not just about what people are saying it's random noises that are happening in the world it's <laughs> yeah. things around you the sound effects that you actually can see and it's layered in a way where it's not just like at the bottom where mm-hmm. it'll be like someone walks into a room and it'll be like chair makes noise and you're like what <laughs> but it's yeah. like where the actual chair is or something to that nature you know like there's there's thought put in to where these pieces are to uh like you said in i believe it was your steam page uh, of for those that are hard of hearing mm-hmm. can actually get that same visible like oh this is what is happening in this section exactly like what what was it about you know this inclusion idea that uh i guess really speaks to you because i i I take it that there's not only this but other pieces that you wanted to instill in this and why was it an important piece of shindig Hmm. i think we just wanted to make a game where people feel welcome you know um i think it can the world isn't a very nice place sometimes and this <laughs> it can be really sometimes. easy to to be made <laughs> to feel unwelcome <laughs> yeah i'm done being nice about it um, like you know the it can be made uh, it can be difficult to feel welcome in a space you know mm. like people yeah, can be yeah. mean and I, we wanted to make a space where people can feel like they're valid too <laughs> basically um we we did a a character creator in the game as well where you can you know choose the your skin tone and different hairstyles and things like that and from the voices so shindig might not be the first uh point and click adventure to have a character creator no idea but it's (laughs) the first i know of yeah yeah but we wanted (laughs) We wanted people to be able to sort of rock up to Shindig and go like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I'm a person of color. There I am, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and see themselves represented in the game, basically. And we also right. really wanted for people who are hard of hearing to be able to to not miss out really on those, you know, the splishy waves or the, the kind of the fire crackling and that kind of thing. The sound and music is a big part of it, and it would mm. seem a shame to not try to counterbalance if, if people can't access that in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I mean, it led to absolutely weeks and weeks of bugs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in when we, we couldn't get them working properly at first. Um, but you know, I'm really glad it got in there. Yeah, all of these things were, were things where we set out to say, okay, we, we, I think we want to do a character creator. I think we want to be able to choose uh, a masculine ish voice and a feminine ish voice um so for your protagonist that is yeah for the for the main character so that's that's my voice or and Faye's voice yeah um and yeah it was a lot of effort to get all of that working the the character creator that you see in the game now is perhaps i think about my third attempt Mm -hmm. to get to get third time's the charm um 
yeah but but it's in there and um you know it, it's about that sort of inclusivity but that's that also informs a lot of the design of shindig like the sort of the design of the emotional landscape and the kind of um the choice architecture that we give to the players like you can't be sarcastic and mean in the game because we wanted to create an emotional landscape where it's just safe and it's you know there's no swears there's no scares there's not a sort of like tonal bait and switch where it's suddenly a horror game or something like that um (laughs) but you know we we intended as well for the puzzle design for example to to be something that that maybe bucks the trend of of the kind of classic point and click uh, genre, which is where really really tricky puzzles are um, very attractive, you know, as a selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of wanted to say, well, we want the puzzles to not be so hard because for us the puzzles aren't really the the top priority. They kind right. of inform your like exploration, really. Hmm. Yeah. So we didn't want the puzzles to be like that one boss fight that you just can't get past. And I guess that's the end of this game for me. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Which is often my experience because I, I do have an invisible disability and um, I find playing games for a long time or like, you know, really intensely can be something that just puts me in a lot of pain. <laughs> so I yeah. hand the controller to Martin for those. <laughs> yeah. You do the puzzles, I do the boss fights. Yeah, I do the puzzles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I, I like to say that in in a game like Shindig, um, where dialogue and voices are they're as much of a game mechanic as, say, running and jumping in a platform mm. game. Um, right. So, so if the dialogue um, and the story is our running and jumping, then the puzzles are sort of like the rings or the coins that you pick up. They're there to guide you to the next part of the level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. there to show you where to go to meet the next fun character or see the new area. And just to encourage you to look around, really, because I think, you know, if we could have made Shindig without any puzzles in it and and just been like, hey, y'all mooching sim, then I I think we probably would have done that. But I think a lot of people would kind of look at that and go, wow the point of that then you know Mm. so it's nice to be able to give that little bit of a guidance and say we we kind of describe it as light puzzle solving because there are puzzles you do have to make logical connections but you're not going to be scratching your head for six hours before you make those connections to go back to the night in the woods reference Mm. shindig is kind of as much a point and click adventure as night in the woods is a platform game (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's jumping bits yeah you you run and you jump um, sometimes between things, but it's clearly a, a delivery method for something else. Yeah, absolutely. It's, hmm. it's about hmm. the peoples and people in the places. That, you know, that you right. Make. Yeah, I, I love the idea behind this too, especially with this being your first game, because it speaks to a lot of the strengths that I think both of you have. Uh, obviously, I, I just met you, but like from your background and previous experience, it sounds like this is the type of game that would you know, you're relying so much on that story, on those characters, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the idea of like, oh, you just, it's based on the mechanics, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. a different reason why you would play a game versus another. Like, does it have a really cool combat? Does it have Mm -hmm. a really good story? Does it, and like, right, that's the, the piece that's pulling for this game is you have this story, you have this atmosphere, you have these characters for you to kind of fall in love with and, and just, kind of forget about the outside world right it goes into that like not really needing the puzzles it's more about just experiencing this world and being a part of it yeah absolutely and i think as well like for for us we wanted the puzzles to not be super hard because we wanted it to be something that a variety of people could play and play with their kids maybe like we didn't design shindig as a four kids game at all um we use some big words but we didn't want to exclude you know people like us who started gaming you know you know as as kids um, right like i just i don't i want people to feel welcome um regardless of who they are or how old they are um, right. So I think it's good to have that kind of thing where you can you can just try to make people feel welcome through your dynamics, basically. Yeah, and you know, you you touch on the whole. It's not designed specifically for kids, and I think the look of it 
uh, some people do gravitate towards thinking, oh, this is a kid's game. Mm. Um, right. And especially since we do try to be inclusive and um, it, it has a gentleness to it. We yeah. certainly mm-hmm. wanted it to, to have a lot of gentleness to it. Yeah. But we do touch on um, touch on some more... Um, emotional oh, topics, basically. Emotional topics. Yeah. I almost said mature themes, which always makes me think of... Uh, like Bojack Horseman or violence. something. Violence. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So... Well, you, you mentioned BoJack Horseman, but that actually was quite a big mm. touch point for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in the way that you know, one of the things about BoJack Horseman is that the characters um, they may be talking animals, but they're primarily people. Yeah, um, right. And we wanted that for all of our characters as well. Obviously, our tone is far far lighter. <laughs> there's a lot less swearing. In fact, there's no swearing. <laughs> Much no less swearing. substance abuse. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was. That's immediately where my head went to. I was like, "That's it's going to be quite a shindig." I <laughs> mean, um, there is an argument about sugar. Yeah, there's an argument about sugar, but it's not a metaphor. It's just sugar. Yeah, it's literally. Yeah, it is. It's all very innocent. Um, but you know that we we kind of just wanted to, it to be like when you watch a Pixar movie or something, um, mm-hmm. where the the adults appreciate. On one level, and and kids and teens appreciate it on a completely different level, but everybody right. gets to enjoy it, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, and you know, there's things like um, we have characters that have um, sort of difficult childhood upbringings. We have characters mm. who've suffered workplace bullying. We have characters that give me another one. Well, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, I don't want enough. people yeah, to discover. Yeah, that's, you know. okay. that's okay. <laughs> but these are all in. Um, each character has a, a hangout, which is optional. When when you sort of get to know them, you, you unlock their hangout, and that's where we introduced these um, these sort of deeper kind of topics that that aren't as as sunshine and roses as the sort of main main story is basically right it's not right. like it's trauma tour 2021 or anything but it's just <laughs> that it's nice to be able to show like a little bit of shadow in amongst the brightness because it makes people hmm. more human to know the what they've overcome and to see that you know that you don't have to fix them <laughs> right, I think that, right that's one of yeah. the big kind of um we we have this thing that started out as our tagline um and we kind of went you know what? i don't want that to be the tagline the selling point but it's it's still really important which is that none of us are broken we're all just different shapes um hmm. and for the hangouts was a really important thing for us to put in because it shows all of these different things that people can triumph over um right. off screen as it were and that really in the game what you're doing is just holding space for people and empathizing with them and that can just be such a wonderful thing to do yeah no i i I love the theme behind that i do have some questions then around the art style itself (laughs) right because were there any you know uh trepidation around this type of you have a game that is speaking to um not specifically kids right but it's a family friendly type of audience where you wanted of all ages to to a degree um when you created this from an art perspective and obviously this might be to some degree of just like well this is what we were able to do but also like Mm. what was your inspiration for the the style and the the atmosphere that you built in that world like because i i'm thinking of of there being that issue of knowing that some people are going to look at this game and immediately write it off because Mm. of the art style yeah absolutely it's it's it is a concern and it's something that that we we have been on the receiving end of um because you know you do judge a book by its cover right you right you're (laughs) taught not to but you still do but you still do um i think for us it's the fact that i i did all the art for it and um the animation and such and so for me it was going from absolutely no experience with that to going, what is my visual style? Like, what can I draw kind of thing? Right. So there is an aspect of, oh, okay, this, this doodly little cartoon style um, with these cute characters, that's how I draw. Um, And, you know, I was sort of sat there going, should I do pixel art? Like, should I, Mm. should I 
should I research this? Should we make it look um, more photorealistic? Like, what should we do with this? Because you do want your game to be appealing to people, obviously. Um, right. But we essentially kind of went, you know what? There are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who will look at Shindig and go, eh, looks like it's for kids, not for me, whatever. <laughs> and sort of, But then there's the other kind of people who go, eh, looks like it's for kids. Tell me more. Um, and, and I think that, you know, you you really, you can't get wrapped up in trying to convince absolutely everybody that your game is for them because right. that way lies right. uh, just stress and burnout. Um, yeah, that's, again, again it's a, another example of that scaling of things. Yeah. You know, yeah. working for a big company, you do have to try to work out how um, how this will be appealing to uh, this demographic, but also this one and this one and this one. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you do have to think, oh, how will teenagers, uh, <laughs> how will teenager, teenage interface males with my interface brand. with my brand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, but so I it was quite freeing to just go, this is what we want to make. Yeah, I mean, we right. basically, the, the, the visual style is part of setting the emotional landscape of the game, basically going, this is a safe space. And we just hmm. sort of, we discussed it and kind of went, well, you know, it looks all Sesame Streety in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And, you know, it's got that kind of cartoony Saturday morning vibe, which is what we were going for. Um, and we're just going to have to accept that that won't be for everybody. Um, right. And we're just going to have to hope that we can find the audience who kind of do the, looks like it's for kids, tell me more. Um, <laughs> because realistically, it's it's honest of us. It's kind of emotionally honest to draw it in this way and to have right. these characters presented how they are. And honestly, yeah. I don't know how I'd do it otherwise. <laughs> I mean, I think it goes back to what we talked about before of wanting to uh, establish your own piece of i did this right yeah. if you had created it and put it into pixel art it might not scream the work of you too right yeah exactly exactly um i think that art style is a really difficult thing to find you know yeah yeah for sure it's it's definitely one that i think even though like even though there are some people who might you know write it off it's not a bad thing necessarily and i think it's what is so great about indie games in general and and you talk to this point basically saying when you're in this larger company you need to worry about every demographic and there is a freeing sense of it, it's nice to not have to think about that obviously you you want to be lucrative where you're able to survive based on your game because that's course, what you're doing yeah. as a as you know you're main type of survival i guess it's a weird way to put yeah. it but like no i mean we're a company some... at the end of the day right. as you're well a company you have to make money otherwise yeah. you're not doing what a company is doing exactly. or needs to do but uh at the same time from an indie perspective you get to hone in on your uh potential demographic right you get to yeah. you get to kind of choose your audience and say like this is who we're targeting it's yeah. for these people that you know want this more of an inclusive interesting story that might look like it's for kids but have you know a nice just kinder gentler uh theme to it as opposed mm -hmm. to it really just being for kids yeah yeah absolutely and like you say that's the glory of indie isn't it like <laughs> there is now um a kind of video game being made for almost uh anybody for yeah. any, any niche and uh, as AAA games, you know, the budgets go up and up and up and the games, because they have to appeal to everybody, get very, very similar. Yes. Um, and yeah. Not necessarily bad, but <laughs> similar. But I think I think there's room for everybody. That's that's what I mean. I'm I'm I want to believe that. Obviously, like we just yeah. launched Shindig, and you know it's not like I'm I've made Minecraft money or something right yeah. now. <laughs> but I really want to believe that there is um, room in the world for for our personal brand of of nonsense, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, to I think that in a lot of cases you're not really competing with other indies because we all offer different things. Um, yeah, and yeah. because you have that freedom, you can have your sort of like your your weird little niche game with animal friends throwing a party, right. you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, there's billions of people out there in the world. There's no way that there's going to be no one who wants that if you 
as creators thought this would be cool, right? Like a lot yeah. of building games is building games that you think you would enjoy. Absolutely. And if you enjoy it, there's n no way in hell that no one else is going to, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed, I'm yeah. sure. Um, I we're, we're getting uh, pretty long here on time, but mm, I just yeah. want to ask a couple more questions before we wrap this up, because one of the main things that I need to know, I love the the art style of the, you know, the cartoony. It's it's very like kid friendly, very sesame street um except for one cat mm. <laughs> yeah she's pretty photorealistic right she's pretty realistic um first off is this one of your cats it is yeah, that's yeah. Right. it is the astrid and cosmos are characters in the game and they are characters in our house as well <laughs> all right uh why did you decide that one of them uh <laughs> one of these characters out of all these these you know uh different creatures that are hand-drawn should be your actual cats um it's kind of a, a homage to the the classic sort of pokemon um snorlax blocking the road kind of thing basically uh -huh. <laughs> um and we just love the idea of this weird juxtaposition yeah um that that kind of thing where yes she is the only thing in such an art style and i i love the idea that what whatever um befalled her Play Shindig and find out. Um, also caused, also caused. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe everything that's that big looks like that. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I can possibly comment. Yeah. But um, we just thought it was a really funny image, if nothing else. We we sort of started off going like, you know, what would be hilarious if you walked in. <laughs> And there's just an actual cat there. Um, getting her to sit still for photos was quite difficult. Um, I'm sure. Because <laughs> she, she is a contrarian um, at heart. She, she won't do what you want her to do. Um, but it, it was just really, it started with us being really geeky about it and just thinking it would be really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. It's, I mean, speaks once again to that... Uh, the the brilliance of indie games is that yeah. you have a quirky little idea of wouldn't it be funny if and it gets to go in the game right exactly exactly um my my couple last ones uh i definitely want to hear you know you've released this game um i've seen uh, a couple of positive reviews that have already come up on the steam page which is great to hear mm -hmm. i've i've seen that one was uh, a person who was actually with their kid and playing it which i thought was great <laughs> it goes to that whole experience you talked about yeah um but what's what's next? You know, you 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 did it, right? You created your first game. What are you two planning on doing now? Well, first off, we need to not stop talking about this one. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But yeah, we do have other things um, in the pipeline. Mm. So we'd like to create some more games in this world. Yeah, that'd um, be cool. Oh, cool. Some some other seasonal shindigs, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um. We'd also kind of like to do something um, a bit more gamey mm. and maybe something a bit less gamey. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. So a little bit of everything. I think the, the thing is we, we set out with Shindig to make an inverted commas short game and it's like three to four hours of play. I think what I'd like to do is make uh, a few sort of really short little experiences like your sort mm. of um, Florence style kind of thing. Right, right. Um, yeah. Something that just really kind of pulls on your emotions to tell that short kind of story. And we've got some ideas for that in a slightly uh, less bright style, shall we say. Oh, um, but we're not going we're not going all the way to the other end of the spectrum, I don't think. Okay. I don't think I want to uh, work on something really dark for, for a good while. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'd also confuse a lot of people if the two games oh, that yeah, you totally. created are on both totally. sides of the spectrum. Absolutely. <laughs> that's good to hear and then um my last question that i just i always love to ask people uh especially you know these individuals like yourselves who have this experience and then want to create an indie game and and had a lot of you know uh kind of pitfalls when it comes to like not knowing things and having mm. to find your way across that that uh land of just unknown you know, what's some advice that you'd give to others who are potentially looking to start doing something like this, you know, and it doesn't have to be specifically about like, oh, we, uh, we didn't know how to code. So we did X, Y, or Z, but just in general, you know, starting your own company, what has it been like? What are some things that you would maybe do differently? 
Do you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is something I started putting together um, as I was seeing all of these indie developers uh, in, in my previous life and <laughs> kind of struck me that a lot of what's going on, the, the difference between someone who is thinking, uh, I'd love to do that, like it's my dream to make indie games or whatever, right. the difference between someone who's thinking that and someone who's actually doing it um, comes down to permission and persistence. Mm. You've got to give yourself permission to, to do the thing that you that you dream of doing hmm. and you, you need to persist doing it when you start because that's how these successes are made. They're not made overnight. They're made by setting out on your path and then sort of staying the course. Yeah, right. it's a lot of hard work. I think I would sort of um, springboard off of, of that point and say, I think it's really useful to get curious about things um, and, and just sort of get excited about making things if you can. Um, for example, <laughs> I made the game trailers for Shindig um, and I did that based off of um, experience I had from a, like a, a thing I started a while ago called my imperfection project, which is like a, a, a bunch of videos I put up on YouTube, just like trying to get over the hump of wanting things to be perfect basically. Hmm. But, but okay. getting that kind of experience of like messing around with video and, and doing a little bit of messing around with sound getting curious can really help you to just feel a bit more comfortable in that creative space, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, you set out, started making ukulele videos. And, yeah. Singing. Yeah. And uh, then on YouTube. That, that ended up with like the soundtrack for Shindig. So if you get, get curious huh. about things and see what you can lean into, because you never know when you're going <laughs> to end up making a video game and writing the soundtrack based on some silly videos you made, you know? I love it. <laughs> For those listening, Shindig is currently available, so be sure to head over to their Steam page. Pick this one up. Uh, once again, Faye, Martin, thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you so much us. for having us.